handle here. And let me give you uh, the phone number to call because, uh, strangely enough, it is the top of the hour. And it always means lines are open. 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-CALL. And uh, Sam will uh, be taking your phone calls. And if you are particularly stupid, if your story is particularly lame, if you are particularly unintelligible, you're at the top of the line. You're getting right on. 800-520-1KFI. And coming up right after the show, uh, it's Leo Laporte. And 11 to 2 o'clock, it is... uh, the one and only Fork Report with Neil Saavedra. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, representing yourself is kind of a dumb thing. Uh, every lawyer, every judge will tell you, especially when it comes to a very serious case. Inevitably, I've never understood this. People who are on trial for capital crimes, murder, decide they're going to represent themselves. Now, maybe uh, the case is a dead-bang loser. I remember, um, what case was that? It was the the subway attacker where uh, there was a, a guy who went on the subway and he shot people. And several people died. And there was a survivor. And he decided to represent himself. And it was a murder trial, first degree murder. It was in New York. And the judge said, you do not want to represent yourself. That's a bad idea. And he did anyway, because he has a constitutional right to do so. So he is cross-examining the woman that survived his shooting. And he's going through, where were you? You say shot you. She starts screaming, it was you. You're the one that shot me. Hmm. What do you say to that? No. Well, you can't say that because you're the lawyer at this point. All you can do is bring someone else on the stand. A man is on trial for rape, representing himself. It's a pretty serious trial. And his primary defense, A, he is a good-looking guy, and B, the alleged victim is 300 pounds. Therefore, I would never and couldn't rape this woman. Uh, No. No. And even worse than that, the attorney who had represented him, who he fired had prepared a motion, a discrepancy regarding the date of the alleged defense. In other words, they had a motion saying, they said this, it turned out to be this, uh, we make a move to dismiss. Well, since they were no longer on the case, the motion had not yet been filed, no motion. And this idiot, of course, does was on bail last month. During the course of his bail, uh, he allegedly exposed himself and masturbated in front of a a female Uber driver. His defense, 
I would never do this in front of an Uber driver. Maybe a Lyft driver, but never Uber. So he's pled not guilty. Oh, uh, he as if you can't remove it, right? All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call. Hello, Dan. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Hi, Bill. Okay, so I was involved in an auto accident. I was rear-ended at a stoplight about a year ago. The guy told his insurance it was my fault. So they said, great, we're not going to pay. Big surprise there. So I'm taking him to small claims court, but I found out he's an adult now, but at the time of the accident, he was a minor on his parents' insurance. So do I sue him because he's an adult now, or do I sue his parents because he was a minor when the accident happened? You sue both. Sue both? Yep. Parents and him. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that makes it easy. Now, um, he has, since this time, moved out of state. Hey, let me ask. Uh, do you have uninsured motorists? Do you have comprehensive? I have liability insurance. Not comprehensive? No. Ah. Okay. That's too bad. Because had you had comprehensive, I simply would have said, just submit the claim to your own insurance company. They would have taken care of it. And then they right. they would I have would dealt have. it. Yeah. Uh, do you have a fairly modern car? Uh, no. it's uh, just... All right. Well, and how much is the car worth? The, uh, the car is probably worth about 1500 Oh, they would have totaled it anyway. Uh, yeah, so, they would have. But... So all you can sue for is $1,500. You know that. I did not know that. Yeah, you cannot sue. You cannot sue for four thousand dollars to fix up a fifteen hundred dollar car. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the ins- even if there is but, insurance, they would total a car. But I can sue both him and his parents at yeah, the same time. Yeah, I would. Or? Yep. No, I would. Okay. And All right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and see what you can do. Suing minors uh, is always difficult, but you can do it. All right, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Um, okay, so this is what happened. I'm um, a court monitor for children that can't be alone with their parents. And I unknowingly was transporting a felon um, for a pickup date with the child at um, the police station. Wait a second. You, unknow- and, you unknowingly, um, you didn't know he was a felon is what you're saying. Correct. Got it. And so, anyway, so... Um, the minute I got there, they ap- apprehended him, and I got really flustered. And they were um, questioning me, going, ma'am, why do you have this guy in your car, blah, blah, blah. And so I was shaken. And so they put the guy in the cop car that was parked and leave now. And so I proceeded to leave, but I backed in. Um, they came and took pictures. It, it was minor damage, but what I'm wondering is, given the situation, am I responsible? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're the one that backed into the cop car. And if you were, right. and if you were so flustered uh, that you would have a hard time driving, you shouldn't have driven. That was your choice to get in the car being that flustered. The fact that they said, ma'am, you can leave. Right. Oh, that's and a problem. The fact they said you can leave and you back in. That is, should they have arrested you maybe? No, 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 no. But what I'm saying, they were parked directly behind me. They can do that. They can, cop cars can park directly behind people. Okay. You get to pay. Now, you didn't get a ticket. You'll get a claim. No, I did not. Right. You'll get a, a letter. Okay. That's it. Yeah. It's their fault. They're going back. To my house. My life is 
a fluster truck. Why don't we take a break? And we'll come back. Julie Slater. Oh, this is Handle on the Law. Five two zero one KFI. That's eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Still a couple lines open on this Saturday morning, so please feel free. Welcome back to Handle. Uh, let's do it. All right, Tony. Hello, Tony. Hello, how are you doing? Thanks. Yes, sir. Uh, what can I do for you? Okay, uh, it was about uh, a little while ago. I'm a private investigator. I was working out in the Ventura area, and I went over to a local golf course. I was checking something out, and I spent a couple hours over there. I was kind of in between jobs, but I was also checking something out. And when I came back to my vehicle a couple hours later, um, got in my car to leave, I noticed my car was a little turned up, about $4,500 worth of camera equipment stolen from my vehicle. My camera bag was behind my front passenger seat. And um, all it credit cards were gone, stuff like that. I have filed a claim with my Eno. Why would your, why would your error, errors and omission policy cover what uh, was stolen from your car? I'm just curious. In my policy, my errors and more stolen equipment. Got it. Okay, so you have a specific rider. All right, that helps. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have a specific rider. Okay. So that is it. I had. I made sure that was in my policy. Good for you. All right. So, I mean, chances are, Bill, they're they're going to cover me. But I'm. What my concern is, as you know, because I always when I listen to you, insurance companies are also in the business of not covering you. They try to look for loopholes. That's correct. So, if they decide not to cover me, and I got to fight it out with them, my question to you is this. This particular golf course I'm, that, that I was at, they redid the golf course several years ago, and they ran out of money when they went to go do the clubhouse. So they do not have a clubhouse. They just have, like, a modular trailer. And they have absolutely – the city runs the course. The city of Ventura owns the golf course and runs it. They have absolutely zero security cameras up in the parking lot, mm-hmm. which any, any golf course I've been to always has some limited, you know, security cameras around the parking lot to provide a little bit of – can I, can I go after the city and small clubs? All right. So, all right, let me – provided no coverage? Okay. Uh, do you think there's a duty of uh, the city to put security cameras up? Yes, I you, do. You do. I, I, you th- I, think, I think I think it's the duty for them to provide some type of limited okay. security for their time. And had cameras been there, your uh, camera equipment would not have been stolen, correct? No, that's. I don't believe that. How, however, you have to con- you have to you have to connect the dots. Okay, this is how I connect the dots, Bill. I feel like. Had there been security cameras there, it would at least been a possibility, a license plate, something off of their vehicle. Okay, you feel that it's possible that it's kind of, sort of, could have happened. Boy, that's an argument that a judge is going to buy in about two seconds, isn't it? (laughs) I have, you're my neighbor, you're my neighbor, and uh, things are stolen, and uh, I am suing you. Uh, Your Honor, he, he lives next to me. He could have come over and opened the door. Well, do you have any proof of that? Well, no, but it could have happened. That's yeah, what you're but saying. As your, but as your neighbor, Bill, you weren't on my property. I'm on the city's property. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. Someone came in and stole your equipment. And if you think there's a duty to put uh, security cameras up there, there isn't. There is no duty. There is no. No. Now, the fact that they do it is another story. But there is no law that says uh, the city must put security cameras up uh, on parking lots of city-owned property. There isn't any. And then on top of that, you have to say, had there been cameras, this would not have happened to me. And so you, I guess you put the perpetrator on the stand as a witness who says, problem is it? Well, they've had other vehicles broken in there. Now, that's a different story. Now, that's a different story. Now, you're talking about a pattern. And if there's a pattern, then you have an issue. You see, you left that one out. If there's a pattern, then you have an issue that a duty to provide security. Because you have to assume that uh, the thief is smart enough to know there's security cameras up there, and therefore he's not going to break in. You're never going to have that short of him testifying. Yeah, they had they had about a week. Oh, about. I know that there was at least two other instances before me. And you know the dates. You know when it happened. You have the facts. I know. I, I know. I know. The- uh, is that enough time to investigate, order, install? I think you've got no place to go. I really uh, don't. But let me tell you about theft. Okay, we're talking about that. Uh, another data breach. Hackers stole information from more than five million credit and debit cards used for purchases at Saks Fifth Avenue. And some of the card information was put up for sale on the dark web as soon as the breach went viral. There are so many threats in today's connected world. It takes just one weak link for the criminals to get in. So let me tell you about uh, the new LifeLock identity theft protection. Adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. Because... I certainly don't know every place uh, the thieves can go to. Now, if your identity is stolen, uh, they even have agents who work to fix it. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, monitor every transaction in every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com and use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the law. Look, I don't mean to frustrate, but I always make the same mistakes, yeah. Always make the same mistakes, Christ. I'm bad in love. But you can't blame me for trying. KFI, HANDLE here on a uh, Saturday morning. 800-520-1-KFI, 800-520-1534. That's the number. This is Handle on the Law, wherein, whereas, where? I give you marginal legal advice and tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, hello, Mike. Hello, Bill. How yes, sir. What's okay. up? Sorry about that. No, um, it's okay. Um, 
Okay, two and a half years ago, I witnessed a very minor accident. And over the past two and a half years, I've been called by both sides to describe what I saw. You know, both times they said that they were recording me on the phone. I said I had no problems on that. Okay, so last week I got a call from a lawyer's office saying that I'm being subpoenaed to come down and provide a deposition. There's going to be lawyers from each side and a court reporter. The, the gal on the phone uh, explained to me that the statute of limitations is coming up and one side has now claimed that they're injured. My question is, is I'm kind of, you know, I watch a lot of law and order, I guess, there, and it seems like when, when lawyers, the lawyer for the defense wants to attack the witness there, it gets kind of adversarial, and I'm kind of concerned that I might fly off the handle, and also, um, shouldn't they pay me for coming down okay. if I have to take off work? All right, first of all, no, uh, they should, but they don't, because you're a witness, you're not an expert witness. Right. Uh, second of all, fly off the handle all you want, you're a witness. Right. Uh, that's it. And uh, the other thing you can tell both sides is, you know what? I really don't remember much. Uh, I'm not going to be helping you. Uh, and, I mean, uh, it's now uh, you can't lie about that. But I got to tell you, two and a half years ago is uh, a long time. And here's what I do whenever – and I've been subpoenaed before as a witness. Here's what I say. You know, my memory is – a little faulty, uh, which it is, by the way, because I just don't pay attention to anything around me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget that I talked to you 30 seconds from now. And if anybody were to ask me, hey, you remember that phone call? No, no, I don't. Or, hey, we met, uh, well, three years ago, five years ago. No, I don't remember. Hey, we just ran each uh, into each other in the hall. Don't you remember? Nope. Well, so, are- I, and so it's, uh, it's one of those things where uh, – you know, you're the bottom line is you're not going to get paid. And uh, why should you? And, and the other thing, I'll tell you what's happened to me. And that is, oops, I've had a flat tire. Oh, OK, I, I've uh, and not to say that you should get a flat tire. And I'm not telling you to lie about a flat tire. Right. Although you're not under oath. I'm not telling you to lie. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to lie. Do you do, do you folks hear that? That work for the state bar. I am not telling anybody to lie. But now, yeah, but my question also, but you said, but the thing about the tape recording on the telephone there, could they play that back there and challenge my answers? Uh, yeah, but your memory is, uh, yeah. <laughs> but even if so, you, you can lie through your teeth and it doesn't matter. What are they going to do? Let's say, oh, you said one thing and now you're saying the other thing. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, so uh, you know, it's uh, I, I've changed my story. That's what I thought then. This is what I think now. Wait, you think they're going to haul you in for perjury? Well, I, don't, I guess the way the the, the litigious. No, 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 no. You're a wit. You're. Do a, I need a lawyer? No, God, no. You're a witness. You're a witness, and it was a minor car accident. They're just playing the lawyer game. All right, and I'll you tell know. you, if you can't show up, because. You get sick, for example. Not telling you to do that, but this is an if. God, notice how I'm dancing around this one, huh? But if you get sick, then you know what? Hey, guys, do it again. Why don't you lawyers set up another deposition, pay for another court reporter, and we'll do it all over again. Sorry, I'm not feeling well. And if you get sick the second time, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm not feeling well. What do you think? They're going to they're gonna go into motion forcing you to do it so a judge issues you an order? Okay, you go in. 
I don't want I don't want U.S. marshals showing up. No U.S. marshals going to show up. Don't worry about. It. I'm not telling you to do that, but those are all possibilities. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, it is it was, it, the fact that it has to, happened two years ago? It was minor, and now they're bringing up the lawsuit. Uh, it's I guess it wasn't that minor. So you know the bottom line is if you're a witness, you have to come and you have to tell the truth. That's what you have to do. Okay, and I could go on and on and that one on that one. Uh, Jesus, hi Jesus. You're up. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Mr. Hanna. Good morning. Um, so I was in a car accident a uh, year and a half ago, and um, I was driving northbound. The person that hit me was driving southbound. He made a sudden left turn on me, head-on collision. He was driving a truck. I was driving a standard four, four-door. My car was total car, nothing, no damage, nothing. And um, I took him to court for the damages, for the property damages. Uh, first judge awarded me $4,000 for my vehicle. They appealed. Um, second judge awarded me two thousand, and they had an attorney representative. I just heard your segment about representing yourself is, is stupid, but I had yeah, but not for four. You're not gonna you're not gonna hire a lawyer for four thousand dollars, Jesus. Yeah, well, there's also the injuries, and also I missed out. Uh, my thing is, I missed out on the uh, work, and um, I was on I was uh, about to get promoted to managerial. And I have letters and everything in, in, in uh, that I was about to get. And how long were you off work? Four months. I and, have doctor's notes. I have all and how and how I, badly were you damaged? How badly were you banged up? Uh, sprained ankle, uh, back spasms, and um, uh, you know the normal. All right. So it was all soft tissue. Uh, for the most part, yes. Okay. Well. <sighs> They're saying they're saying I talked directly to. Yeah, their... no, I get it. The judge and the judge bought it. The second trial is the the trial that counts. Jesus, the no, first that's, that's just for property. Uh, I'm, uh, for my injuries, that's that's a different. I haven't I haven't filed a, a, a case for for the for the for the small claims. Uh, but they are only willing to pay me for two weeks of missed work. Who, who is only willing to Who is only willing to pay you? Their insurance, his insurance company. All right. Well, that's they can they can they can offer to pay you nothing. Okay. Now, uh, why go into small claims court for? Wait a sec. Why we? You know, you have to consolidate the trials. Why would you separate them? If you're well, suing, why would you separate the? I don't even know if you can do it. Yeah, I, yeah. I was able to do that. I, I spoke to their insurance company, and when I had my representation. He indicated I can only represent you for the injuries, the property damages. You represent yourself. On no, that, so. that's absolutely not. That way, way, way. Who said that? Who said you can only represent? A lawyer said that to you. Yes, the attorney that was representing me prior to releasing me. All right, so the lawyer didn't think your case was good enough. Correct. Okay, and he told you that I can only represent you for the damages. That's not true, by the way. Uh, okay. Saying I, I don't want to represent you for uh, uh, the uh, the property damage, only the physical damage. You had a bad lawyer. You okay, had a so bad lawyer. Able, no, it's over. Pile, uh, no, you're done. You did everything. No, I, I, you I, did everything wrong, Jesus. Everything. Well, what, here's the thing. I, I've gone to the courthouse. I've gone to the superior courthouse, and they indicated that I could separate. Even the, even. Okay, judge. but you did everything wrong. You didn't get another lawyer. I did get a I did get a second lawyer, and the second lawyer also dropped my case. That means you don't have much of a case, Jesus, because what you uh, have what you have is you have a soft tissue injury, and uh, you being gone for four months. You know what people think of that? 
Uh, look up the word malinger. Think, think of the word malinger. You want to look that up, malinger. Okay. Who okay. just milks it and milks it. So, uh, but the case is, all right, go ahead and file uh, for damages, your four months uh, of work missing. The fact the other insurance company is not paying, that's incidental. They can pay, they cannot pay, they can offer 50 cents, they can offer you $8,000, that means nothing. It's okay. going to be your lawsuit. And all you're doing to claim is four months of work. I was going to get promoted and look at all my damages. Yeah. Okay. Big data breach uh, that hackers stole information from more than 5 million credit and debit cards used for in-store purchases at Saks, Saks off Fifth, Lord and Taylor stores. And some of this information is put it for sale on the dark web, which means people buy it. And use this information to steal your identity and then establish credit and go after bank accounts. The new LifeLock identity theft protection is now adding the power of Norton Security to help you protect against uh, not only threats to your identity, which uh, LifeLock has always done, but now your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. And if your identity is compromised, they have agents that will work to fix it, which is why I've been such a long customer of LifeLock. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all ID theft, or monitor every transaction at every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security, man, am I thrilled I have that. It's going to be, it's able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss, which I'm going to say I certainly do miss. So call 800-LIFELOCK, use the promo code HANDLE, 10% off your first year, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, or go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE. This is Handle on the Law. All right, KFI, Saturday morning, Handle here. Some lines open, 800-520-1534. It's really weird the way the phone calls come down. Sometimes I'll be so jammed, uh, you'll be waiting 45 minutes. And other times we actually have a couple of lines open. And that's the case right now. So if you want to jump in uh, and... Not wait 45 minutes, which probably will happen in the next three minutes. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice. Frank! Hello, Frank. Let's be frank with each other. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm also flustered, and uh, I'm about a 50-year-old man who was diagnosed with late onset epilepsy uh, over a decade ago. Wow. Um, so do you have, se- so you have, you, you have seizures? Uh, I'm sorry? Do you have seizures? Yes. Like, yeah, se- like serious seizures? Types. I'm sorry? Like serious seizures? Uh, seizures hitting the ground, doing the funky chicken? I mean, are we talking about serious stuff? Yeah. yeah when I had my first one be- when I was diagnosed, that was the very first one I had was Ooh. the one dropping to the ground. Wow, that's scary. Were you were you yeah. were you aware that that was happening? No. Yeah, was, that's what uh, I hear. I was, I was at work, employed, and all of a sudden it just wow. took place. And uh, yeah. anyway, over the number of years, um, my neurologist has had to adjust medications for me um, to stop my seizures. There's three different levels of these seizures, um, and now I'm taking three different medications uh, to stop or try to help stop the seizures, um, 
and uh, I started having um, issues with anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. So my insurance sent me to the psychiatry department, who was never able to address it except for putting me on additional medications. So now I'm on about five medications, and they all have side effects that give me irritability and everything. I have not been able to maintain a job. Um, I even lost my job that I had my first seizure at um, uh, because of uh, my loss of being able to handle anger. All right, Frank, Frank, what's your question here? My question is on misrepresentation or or fraud. I I get online to order my medications, um, and uh, I've been overbilled. Oh, okay. By by whom? By my insurance company. Ah, and how do you know you've been overbilled? Because I got the invoice, and I uh, saw that I was overbilled. Okay, what does that mean? How do you know you're overbilled? Because... um, I, my my uh, deductibles had already been met and all that stuff, so I was supposed to be paying a lower price. Okay, and that's in the policy. Yes, that's in the okay. policy. Okay, all right. So and also online uh, in the prescription order, they have a little special instructions note. I always write which credit card to use and if it's going to be over a certain amount to contact me first. Well, when I got the invoice and realized I was overcharged, I called the pharmacy. They said that, they, their computer system only bills um, according to my policy. All right. So, Frank, uh, if, if that's the case, that's their defense. How much have you been overbilled? Um, it was uh, originally about 70 bucks. Okay. How much you overbilled total? Now I just got a check back, and I don't know why, for uh, another about 120 bucks. All right. So you've been overbilled for 70 and you got a check back for 120 Do I have that right? Why don't you sue them, and uh, the judge will order that you pay them back the overage amount that they paid you. So you spend $150 in small claims court, uh, and uh, here's the deal. The judge is going to say, oh, so Frank, you made money on this, and therefore your damages are you really made 80 bucks." No, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't think you understand. I called them. And the pharmacy said, we, we only bill according to your policy. I understand, but how, am I, if you're, how much were you overbilled? How much did you pay more than the prescription? I was paid, I was, I paid over $60 for the prescription. Got it. And how much did you get back? How much did you, how much did you overpay more than you should have paid? No, first I got the original amount back that I was asking okay, for. Okay, now, you, now you're even. Right. So but what the what, pharmacy says is that they're, they're pharmacy. So go to another I, pharmacy. I mean, come on. You have no, At this point, you have, there are no damages, right, Frank? Okay. But they sent me to member services, and member services said, oh, yeah, you show that you're being billed on an individual policy. What's your question? Your, without your deductible. What's your question? But I was actually on a family. What's your policy. question? My question is, is that they billed me incorrectly and will not. That's not a question. Those are facts. So what I got from that is they did it all wrong, and I made money on it, and I want to sue them. I think you need another kind of medication, Frank. I think there's reality medication out there someplace, isn't there? Now, I take anti-anxiety medication. Why? Because people like Frank call me. That's why. Okay. 
This is Handle on the Law. KFI Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Oh, yes. All right. Uh, Let me uh, go right to the phone calls. 800 or phone number at this point, 800-5201-KFI, 800-5201-534. Also, uh, if you stay tuned to KFI, which we hope you do, right after this show, Leo Laporte, the tech guy, uh, the Fork Report from 2 to 5 with uh, Neil Saavedra, Mo Kelly tonight, 6 to 8, and then uh, Monique Marvez, and we finish it up tonight uh, with Brian Suits from 10 to Midnight. Tomorrow morning, Elizabeth uh, comes aboard from 5 to five to 6, Jesus Christ from 6 to 9, and home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. And he's going to talk about glass. And so that's, uh, actually, I'm pretty excited about glass. You can do an awful lot with it, for sure. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have no case. All right. This one is kind of fun, having to do with uh, advertising and law firms. This is out of Toronto, but we have the same problem here all over the country. There is a firm uh, called the Presler Law Firm, and they are the advertised on the back of the bus kind of law firm. And they bill themselves as the official Toronto Jays law firm. Uh, they are the official Jays lawyer. Now, uh, they never worked for the team. They've never actually represented the team or any member of the team, for what I understand. Certainly not the team itself, even though they're the official lawyer. However, they're a sponsor of the Jays. They're an official sponsor. So where do you draw the line? If you are a sponsor, are you the official team or the official insert name, the official plumber, uh, the official restaurant, Chinese restaurant of the team. And normally what happens when uh, any of uh, these organizations that sponsor a team or a show, there's exclusivity. In other words, if I'm sponsored by a window company, is it the official window company of the Bill Handel Show? I wouldn't have a problem because there's there are no other companies, window companies. But the bar or their uh, version of the bar said you can't do that. You cannot do that. You can say you're a sponsor, but you can't say that you're official, the official uh, law firm of the team if you've never represented the team. Okay, so that's one issue. Incidentally, uh, they weren't nailed badly. Uh, it was... A complaint made, and the law association simply said, don't do it again, and they said, okay, because this is really close to the line. The other one they had a little problem with is they had a very good-looking, sort of avuncular man, gray-haired, but uh, just really good-looking, who talked about the law firm on television commercials. Of course, not a lawyer, because lawyers don't look like that. If lawyers looked like that, they wouldn't be lawyers, they'd be models, And they'd be on television. So what they didn't say is portrayed by an actor. 
or actor portrayal. Now, they didn't say he was a lawyer either. So what they agreed to do was now it is uh, what is uh, on their website. They have to say actor portrayal. Uh, And the firm now identifies this gentleman as a spokesperson and not a lawyer. Uh, That is uh, now what's going on in the television ads as well as the uh, editing or as well as uh, the website. John Fraser is not a lawyer. He is the proud spokesperson and marketing associate of Presler Law Firm. Boy, he's been doing this a long time. He has helped the firm deliver a positive message of relating to access to justice. I guess that's just another way of saying the guy never went to law school. But the firm said okay. It's just an interesting, an interesting tiny little line. We're the official law firm of. And uh, I have one of those. A solar company is the official solar company. Now, the difference is... They did install a solar system at my house. So not only are they a sponsor, but they can say, because I happen to be a customer. So it's a little cleaner with me, but uh, I don't know. I think I would have given it to them personally. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a phone call or two. Jim's been sitting there forever. And uh, we'll take uh, your call, Jim, even though it's probably boring as hell. What can I do for you, Jim? I was divorced four years ago. Uh, at the time, uh, my former wife and I split an estate of about uh, $2 million. Uh, she died three years ago, and uh, her portion of the estate she willed to our three adult children. Uh, I remarried two years ago. And uh, currently have a power uh, pour over will and a trust. And uh, in the uh, trust, I've made it a point to appoint my current wife as the trustee and uh, to uh, bequeath $500 each to the three adult children. Uh, at this point, I am wondering if my current wife is going to have any difficulty. No, she shouldn't. I mean, you're talking about a million-dollar estate. I mean, one of your near-do-well uh, in-grade kids may get a lawyer to attack it, but it's pretty clear-cut uh, because the only real attack is, number one, you were out of your mind when you uh, signed that trust and that will. Uh, number two, uh, you uh, left them out by mistake. And normally you leave your kids in. But by leaving $500 each to the kids, obviously you're fine. Now, uh, they have nothing legally, but they always do. Because if there's a big enough estate, here's what happens. Uh, Lawyer comes in, files a claim, files a lawsuit, and then starts settling. It's pure blackmail is what it is. That's all it is. is, uh, It's extortion. But legally you're fine. Okay, no, no way to protect against the blackmail. No, no. Uh, and the problem is, is that the estate has to pay for the lawyer. Uh, so the lawyer on the other side is doing it on contingency, hoping he'll get quick money. Because it certainly isn't going to go to trial. I guarantee you any will contest is not going to trial on the other side of this coin. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah welcome to the world of extortion. Happens all the time. 
Uh, hi, Robert. Morning. Yes, sir. Yes, uh, yeah, I've been working at a really big, huge uh, restaurant for five and a half years, and I've been discriminated against personally as well as physically. Uh, personally, I've been discriminated against. I was working one day. A guy came after me. He's been there for two years. I've already been there for five. He told me, hey, I'm, I'm surprised I'm so high above uh, everybody, and I've been there for two years. And I said, yeah, you're above me. I've been there for five. And that's because you're black. And I looked at him like, what? And my best friend, who's uh, white, he's like, dude, that was like so racist. The yeah, it is. No, right you're there. absolutely right, Robert. It's totally racist. So- the manager's standing right there. She's like, well, no, that's not it. I'm like, really? That, that's it? So I called the corporate to complain, and they retaliated by giving me seven hours for the week. So I come in. As has been there five years. I'm like, seven hours for the week? What's going on here? She's like, the other guy did it, the other manager. Okay, so what's the problem? Oh, we'll fix it. So I called back to the corporate and said, hey, they retaliated me for calling the corporate office complaining, and I got seven hours for the week. So then she started calling me on my day off, which I went on my day off because I need to eat. So I go on my day off, and then uh, everything smooths out for a little while, and then back again. Back to seven hours. Nine hours. Yeah, back to nine hours. I'm like, are you kidding me? All right. All of my former my, my fellow associates say, this is ridiculous what they're doing. You should be a manager. I'm going to rehire since the 90s. I, I all think, right. Well, first of all, as as far as you should be a manager, that's up to management. Uh, that's right. not your call. So uh, right. there, there's no way to go on that one. Now, the issue of uh, your black uh, connected yeah. with you're only getting X number of hours, that's a question. Yeah, that's a question. And uh, so uh, is, I mean, look at your damages, uh, which are fairly minor, but there's some statutory stuff. How long has this been going on that you've been getting reduced hours uh, for two years? Actually, um, you've been getting reduced hours for two years, like yeah, seven hours a week, nine hours yeah. a week. Why do you stay? Yeah, why, do, why do you well, stay in a place where you can't even uh, get enough money to eat? $15 an hour as opposed to $11 an hour, and I'll come in on my days off. Why do you stay, Robert, why would you stay at any place that cuts you to the point where you can't even survive anymore? Well, they cut me down, but I'd get the hours back by coming in because it's a very well-known hand. Why would you, you stay, Robert, it. if you don't get enough money to even survive? Uh, I stay for the 401k and all the benefits that comes with the package and the hope that I will be manager because you can make over $200,000 a year easily. So you're talking about after after five years. And so you're hoping against hope that this happens. Well, all right. Uh, You know, I don't know if I would do that, but uh, so be it. That's your call. In the meantime, it it seems like there might be a a a discrimination case there. So it's time for you to contact an employment discrimination attorney. Okay. It's that simple. Go to the website. Go to handleonthelaw.com, and uh, there are employment discrimination attorneys. I mean, that, that, that's, that, it sounds logical. It sounds like there could be a case there, and I often don't get that. So uh, this is marginal legal advice where I tell you you have absolutely no case unless you do, or maybe kind of, sort of. This is Handle on the Law. And now KFI Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. Uh, more Handle on the Law. Uh, MJ. Hello, MJ. 
Hi. Um, I got arrested on that fence deal. I'm sorry, I, I'm losing you. You're cutting out a little bit. You got arrested for what? Okay. Um, I tried to point my phone towards Los Angeles. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm losing you. I tried to what, my son? Okay. Uh, I had called you a while back about a million defense that had been put up on uh, the owner's property, and the guy uh, that put it up was violating a TRO, and you said you couldn't All right, get you know what? You know, MJ, I'm having, unfortunately, I'm having a hard time understanding the phone line you have. Uh, do you do you have access to a phone, uh, a landline by any chance? No. Okay. We'll go into another area and we'll try to get a uh, a better landline, okay, or a better line. Uh, because I know you have a pretty interesting call, to say the least. I don't want to miss it, but just, you know, it's having a hard time. Oh, Luis. Hi, Luis. Welcome. Hey, hi. Hey, um, in 2010, I had a uh, income property, and also at the time I was married. At that time, I got recalled back to military service, where I had a short sale that income property. In 2013-14, I got 1099 added to my uh, year's taxes, so I had to pay uh, like 20000 in taxes. At that time now, I'm I'm divorced. So my question is, will I be able to uh, go after the? All right. Who, yeah. Who the name? Who was on the name of the property? Who held title? Uh, I did by yourself. Uh, I believe it was uh, joint. Oh well, then that's joint. Then uh, the short sale, and I'm assuming your uh, wife at that point signed off on the short sale, right? Yes. All right, she's retired. She's in, uh, she's responsible for half of it. That's awesome. Great news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yep, that's the bottom line. Uh, Rod, hi, Rod. Yes, um, I have um, a um, will or a trust that my mother wrote up with, with her husband at that time in two thousand seven, and it, which included five people on the will. Uh, in twenty thirteen, after the, uh, my stepfather passed away, she amended amended the will and took off two people from the trust. Okay, one of them one of them has hired a lawyer. Yeah, it happens and, all the time. You know that. Uh, how much money are we talking about, Rod? Her share would be fifty thousand dollars. And hire a lawyer for fifty thousand dollars. She hired a lawyer. Yes. All right. Well, uh, and you're the trustee. Yes, I am. Tell tell him to go pound sand. The name was left out of the will, and you're prepared to go to trial. See if the lawyer is willing to, for $50,000, do a full-blown trial. It's extortion. It's extortion. Okay, Total so extortion. Total blackmail. What do I do? Uh, you have to tell him to go pound sand. You're probably going to have to get a lawyer. Okay. Paid for by the estate. Okay. And uh, just just start fighting it. And so it, will, it will go to court? It, no, I don't think the lawyer's going to go to court. How does the lawyer go to court when his client has been specifically left out? And I'm, I'm assuming purposely, right, by name, has been left out. Do yes. I have that right? Yes. Okay, he's going to – I don't even know where he's going to argue. Oh, it was a mistake. My client should have been left in. Uh, the trustor was out of her mind when she wrote it. I mean, just on and on and on. There's nothing there. It's, it's, it's blackmail. God, I hate that. I hate that. All right. Uh, let me tell you about Simply Safe, a home security company I've worked with since they were a startup. And I've seen them 
go in, grow into the fastest growing home security company in the nation, now over 2 million customers. Well, they have their brand new home security system, and it's a beaut. It's the all new Simply Safe. It's been completely rebuilt, redesigned, new safeguards to protect against power outages and downed Wi Fi and landlines that are cut. I mean, all of it. And it's practically invisible. Sensors so small, you won't even notice them. And you know who will, though? Intruders. Simply Safe has spent years building this system. They've added so much. You still get a very fair and honest price. I love this company. It's not overpriced. You install it yourself. 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. I installed a system in my daughter's uh, condo. It was, um, well, took me half an hour. I can't work a thermostat. No contract, smaller, faster, stronger than anything they've built before. Visit simplysafe.com to order simplysafehandle.com, simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. What is KFI Handle here on a Saturday morning. 800-5201-KFI. That's our number. All right. Back we go. More handle on the law. MJ. Yeah. Yes, sir. Or yes, ma'am. Sorry. I hope the line's better now. Yes, it is. Okay. I got arrested for taking down that illegal fence. They accused me of felony grand theft wood. Grand theft wood. Right there. It's in the uh, penal code. There's grand theft auto. Uh, there is larceny, there's embezzlement, and there's grand theft wood right there. So uh, tell me why you got arrested for grand theft wood. Well, my next-door neighbor, who happens to be African-American, went to an African-American deputy and told him that I did it and showed him some pictures. And the next thing I know, I have handcuffs on me, and I'm sitting in a jail cell. All right, so uh, the wood, was it on his property, your property? Was it a pile of wood? See, I work for the owner here. The the house had been vandalized by the very people that accused me of uh, uh, stealing their wood. Uh, But that's beyond the point. All right. So Um, you're accused of stealing their wood and their wood was there on their property, correct? No, it was on our property. We see they tried to steal Walter's property that had been paying taxes on for 30 years. And they tried. How were they going to steal his property? Well, see, they're, they're, the property lines have been moved, but it hadn't been reported to uh, downtown or something like that. And who so remo- they, and who removed the property lines, MJ? I don't know how you just move property lines. Well, what had happened was they did a redevelopment in the area here. They moved houses around and everything, but they didn't change the monuments. Okay, so they so a developer just arbitrarily put houses based on uh, the lots or the property lines that he sort of just came up with. Uh, basically, yeah. Wow. Okay, and was some of your property taken? Uh, I don't own anything. <laughs> All right. So, uh, okay, but that has nothing to do with you. It's the owners yeah. of the property, MJ, that have the lawsuit against the developers, not you. Well, it's not up to me to do. It's the owner of the property. I'm just a person hired here to. Okay, take care so of it I'm still sure. con- so I'm confused. You were arrested for stealing their wood. 
That's what they told the uh, the uh, deputy. That and you that you stole their wood and you said no, I didn't. Was and you but you, the wood was on your property, so they claimed it was their property that you stole, right? Yeah. Okay, and uh, and you said they had pictures. What did they have pictures of? I, I didn't get to see those, but uh, supposedly they showed them pictures as evidence of uh, what the wood on your property. Uh, the wood that she Walter went to court against him and got his property back. Who's, okay? Wal- who's Walter? Walter's the owner of the property who told me to take down the illegal fence. Why would the fence be illegal? I don't quite understand. Well, he, the next door neighbor, claimed that where the old monuments were. Oh, I, okay. Now I get it. He is saying that based on the old monuments. Uh, you stole the wood that orig- that would have been on your property, but it turned out to be on his property because no, the old monument. No, no, you got it reversed. Yeah, well. Uh, he tried to take our property. He busted up a slab. He moved in on our property. So why doesn't Walter? So why doesn't so refuse to okay, stop got it. So, wa- it. so Walter, it hold on a second. MJ, did Walter sue him for taking Walter's property? No, he sued Panama or this guy next door neighbor for taking his property. Fantastic. And he won in court. But the guy refused to take down his illegal fence. And you took so, it down. So Walter waited a year and a half for this guy to take down this illegal fence. So Walter did it. Huh? So Walter did it, or you did it. No, he told me to do it. And you did it, and uh, then they called the police and you were arrested. So what's happening now? Yeah. All right, and did you explain to the police? Oh, well, I was told never to talk to the police. Hmm. Got it. And so do you have a court date, MJ? No, they refused to see me and just kept me sitting there for 72 hours. And well, abused 72, me in the meantime, wait a second. And 70, I injured my knee. Got it. MJ, 72 hours is a very interesting amount of time, MJ. I must tell you. And yeah, it, I know. Was, was it exactly 72 hours that they held uh, you? It was a little more. Huh? Was it a little more because you were being processed out? I guess. Yeah. But they let me out, and yeah. I couldn't even get a bus ride home. The buses weren't running. I had no money. They give me a plastic card that I can't get any money to even what kind of plastic get a bus card? or MJ, anything the next morning. Huh? What, what kind of plastic card do they give you that you can't get any money? Oh, Bill Gore's got this thing going on with San Diego Credit Union where when they arrest you, they take your money and put it in their bank. And then they have excessive fees on it. They try to steal your money through the fees if you don't but they take gave, it out right away. But they gave you the card, right, MJ? Oh, yeah. They give you a card, okay. which you can do with it. Good luck. They, yeah. I put it in a machine. All right, MJ, MJ, all right, MJ, let me stop you right there, okay? Uh, I think you have a phenomenal case. All right? I think you have a very, very strong case. And, and I, I do. Yeah, and I think it's worth serious, serious money. So what I want you to do is go to my website and uh, contact every lawyer on my website and tell I them. And they, they say they want $10,000. Ah, call them again. Call them again, call them again and say, Bill Handel insists that you take the case on contingency. 
Use my name, MJ. That's very important. Okay. Okay, good for you. That's when I love doing this show, I must tell you. Love doing it. Uh, hello, Jim. Welcome. Yes, hello, Bill. Yes, sir. My question, my question is about inheriting a house that I'm going to inherit shortly, and I'm married, and I want to know if it, how it applies to separate property other than um, community property. Got it. No, it's a good question. Uh, just curious, how, not that it matters, but how much money are we talking about, Jim? About a quarter of a million. No, about $350,000. Uh-huh. And how long have you been married? Uh, for approximately uh, five, seven years. Seven oh, okay. Years. So it's, uh, got it. How old are you? I am uh, 70 years old at this time. Wow. How old's your wife? My wife is uh, 63. Oh, okay. And you want to know how do you protect yourself? Are, are you already interested in protecting yourself from your wife and you don't want her to get any of the money? No, I'm interested in the separate issue based upon transferring it upon my debt to my grandchild. Ah, okay. That's legitimate. Okay. So I'm, I was just asking questions, by the way, just because I'm curious. All right. Here's the bottom line, my man. It's your property. It belongs to you. Your wife has nothing to do with it. As long as you keep it in your name, the second you transfer it to any community asset, that becomes both of you that own it. Keep it separate. And then you're able to leave your grandkids all the money. No, it's not money. It's a house. No, No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter. House, uh, it's all the same. Does it matter if I use uh, money that I have to for the upkeep of it and so forth? Okay, the upkeep, no. The upkeep is something else. That's community assets. But she's going to have a very hard time asking for any money just because you're maintaining the house. Are you going to rent the house? Yes. What are you going to do with the house? I'm going to rent it. All right. Well, uh, the rental income is yours. And if you use the rental income to fix the place, your wife has nothing to do with it. Okay. All right. There you go. That answers that question, right? All right. Uh, very large data breach. Uh, hackers stole more uh, inf- uh, stole information for more than 5 million credit and debit cards used for in-store pur- uh, purchases at Saks, Saks uh, Fifth, Lord & Taylor. And some of this stuff was put up uh, for sale on the dark web. And that means uh, people bought it for very little money and are using it to steal your identity if you're one of these victims. You know, today's connected world, it just takes one weak link for the criminals to get in. So let me tell you a company that I've been a customer of uh, for many years, uh, LifeLock. And the new LifeLock identity theft protection adds the power of Norton Security. Now we're across the board helps you protect that threats not only to your identity, but your devices. And if you do have a problem, then uh, these folks come in and they'll help. They'll work to fix that problem if your identity is compromised. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat or prevent all ID theft or monitor every transaction, every business. But the new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats you might otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off. Your first year membership, lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. 
This is Handle on the Law. Can't buy Handle here, and it is a uh, Saturday morning. Back we go. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Uh, Delphin, do I have that right? Delphin? Yes. All right. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, Delphin? Yeah, I have a question. I am a shareholder of an IPA, an Independent Physician Association, which is an S corporation. They sent me a letter with a check for my K1 for 2017. They said that my uh, share would be $25,000, but they're only giving me about $11,000. All right, so you, I'm assuming you call that, them, and what are they saying? They said that they will keep the rest of the money. and that, that Why? Be, Why are they that, keeping the rest of the money? To shore up the equity of the the corporation. Oh, okay. So you're due 25,000 but they are keeping 11,000 because it is uh the it's short of funds and they want to make it solvent, right? That's uh, what I get from there. Okay, read read the agreement. Read the that, documents. Are they allowed to do that? Which document the uh, the document that a, you entered into? I mean, there is an agreement between you and the IPA. You don't just show up and then uh, you work and then they show you money. I mean, there is a written document. Oh, okay. So it's in, in our... Yeah, you, uh, yes. It's in your... Regulation. That is correct. You have to read it. There's nothing I can do until you read it and see if they can do it. Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Hey, I have a question regarding uh, a situation I'm involved in. I have a, uh, I had a friend, a neighbor, who uh, passed away about four years ago. And in her will and trust, she left me as executor. Um, actually, the second executor, the first one bailed out, and I was named as the second one. And so we went through the process. Now, are you a trust? Me. Wait, are you a trustee and an executor? Yes. Okay, so there's a trust and, and a will involved. Correct. Okay. Okay, so she passed away, and um, I started collecting her, her money, opened up a trust account, and started putting the money in it, and soon realized that I was kind of in over my head in terms of the law and what I should do and, you know, how to, how to disperse the funds. She had the, uh, her university, her alma mater, as the beneficiary of her estate. And so going through collecting all the money, like I said, I realized I was in over my head. So I hired a trust attorney about six months after she passed. And at that time, I just kind of gave everything over and told them, you know, what was going on, showed them the receipts, the money, the bank account, and continued to collect a little bit of money that she had. And uh, so once all that was said and done, I was ready to give the money to the beneficiary of the university and realized that there were three accounts that were not included in the trust that were uh, life insurance accounts that totaled almost 300000 for those. Who are the beneficiaries so, of the life insurance account? Uh, the entire state, the beneficiary is the uh, university. Okay, and you're talking about, so the beneficiaries of not only the trust, but the will and the life insurance policies, correct? Yes. Okay, all right. Everything goes to the beneficiary. So, um, yeah, time has been marching on, and sometimes I wouldn't hear from my attorney for two or three months, and they were working on this and working on that. Anyhow, long story short, now that the the probate has gone through, the um, life insurance money is collected, the house has been sold, the car has been sold, 
everything's done, uh, the university about a year ago asked for an accounting of the estate, which I provided. Um, that went on for about six months. They were reviewing it, and I don't know exactly what they were doing. But now I just got a call from my trust attorney that said that the university is not happy with the accounting. They wanted a legal form. They're going to be serving me. Somebody's going to come to my door and serve me. And there's going to be a hearing in May to see if we can redo the accounting somehow. Um, you know, and I'm not exactly sure exactly what they want. I just know that they wanted a legal form, and apparently my accountant that did it um, just put it in, I don't know, an Excel form. I'm not exactly sure. Was, that should uh, do it. Yeah. Incidentally, that should do it. I thought so. Yeah, I don't know what an that. accounting in legal form is other than here's an accounting. Uh, legal paperwork? I'm not I don't. Sure. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. I, it doesn't make any sense to me either. An accounting is an accounting, and, and so it, it you get to for every penny. Right. So you have to you have to show up with uh, your attorney. Well, my attorney seems to be acquiescing to the university's attorney, saying that this is what they want. This is what they're going to do. All right. Do, so here's what you do: deal. you ask for whatever form you want or they want. You go, I don't know what a legal uh, legal forms accounting is. I don't either. Have you talked to – have you talked – and what does the lawyer say? So he says, well, yeah, they get it. Now, did you ask him – by the way, what is it? Have you asked you him know, that I, question? I just, that, I just assumed that since the attorney from the university was asking for it, my attorney said, okay. We'll yeah, but it. what is – I get it. Your attorney said, okay, and you have to now call your attorney and go, what? I don't even know what it is. I can't supply yeah, something I, I don't know what it is. I assume that they knew what it was because they were going to you know, let me get served and, and, and go through the No, I understand. What, so so your attorney doesn't know what it is. I'm not sure. I just assume they did because well, they they're not if they them. well, they're not telling you. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to call them and go, I, I don't even know what that is. I know what legal forms are, their will, their trusts, their lawsuits, their motions. There are appeals that all have to be uh, following a, a certain formula, legal forms. I don't know what an accounting is other than here it is. On an Excel, on a spreadsheet, uh, uh, where else would you do it? This is Handle on the Law. KFI handle here on a Saturday morning, uh, right up until 11 o'clock. Phone number if you want to call in and ask uh, for uh, legal advice. Once in a great while, once in a great while, I actually know what I'm talking about. Doesn't happen very often, but when it does, you have scored. Rest of time, not so much. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. Coming up at 11 o'clock, right after this show, is Leo Laporte. Uh, 11.30, I'm going to be at the Cunning Dental Clinic in uh, Montclair, hosting a uh, implant uh, clinic. And uh, please feel free to join. There will be hors d'oeuvres. And if you need the kind of teeth that people uh, want to have and you don't, Come on down at 1130 in Montclair and Cunning Dental. All right. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. And I tell you, you have absolutely no case. All right. There are a couple rules that I want to tell you about lawyers. 
And uh, that has to do with disciplinary hearings. One of the things I tell you constantly, I'm not happy with my lawyer. My lawyer screwed me. My lawyer hasn't called me in months. One of the things that, particularly here in California, but I think across the country, uh, that lawyers should be most concerned with is the concept of abandonment of client. Because what ends up happening is uh, they have bought themselves a good, healthy investigation. But you know, almost any complaint will buy an investigation. Now, usually disputes as to money, not so much, but disputes as to violating the canons of ethics, stealing money, uh, misrepresenting clients, not showing up at hearings, that sort of thing. All right, so there is a lawyer by the name of Justin Holston who was actually at a hearing, a disciplinary hearing. When you are in front of the board, in front of the judicial board, determining what kind of penalty you are looking at, suspension, a reprimand, public reprimand, private reprimand, you have to be a little careful. Now, usually, if you have any brains, you're going to hire a lawyer to come in and represent you. A lawyer who has experience dealing with a bar, a lawyer who has a lot of experience dealing with attorney disciplinary actions, that's what you do. Matter of fact, uh, I've had a couple complaints about giving bad legal advice on the air. There have been a a couple of complaints to the state bar saying uh, Bill purports to give legal advice and it's horrible. And all we do twice is sent uh, a copy of the show where I say, this is marginal legal advice where I tell you have no case. Disclaimer! I go beyond that. You're crazy to listen to me. You're out of your mind. This is free advice and you're overpaying. But there was, they opened up a file. They contacted me. A letter went out. So this lawyer, uh, Justin uh, Halston, in front of the Kansas Supreme Court, shows up at his hearing because you can appeal and go right up to the Supreme Court, and there is a hearing. The problem was he showed up to the hearing falling down drunk. You can't do that. Uh, Panel members became concerned that he might be under the influence of alcohol. Slurring his words, not having much balance, making no sense. So they said, "You want an? Al- we have to f- uh, have a, a uh, blood alcohol level." First one was point one eight five, twice the legal limit. The next one was point two zero, on his way to three times the legal limit. And during the hearing, uh, Holston said he wasn't even refuting the test results. What he said, it was a lack of judgment on my part. The last few years have been difficult. He first told the judges that alcohol was in his system during the hearing. It was from drinking the night before. Then he acknowledged telling the previous hearing uh, a totally different story about drinking during the Super Bowls four days before that first hearing. That's the last time he had a drink, four days. So uh, guess what they did? 
They disbarred him. He's done. Take away. Disciplinary hearing. Don't show up drunk. All right. Let's go ahead and take uh, a phone call or two. Uh, Joe Lynn. There you are, Joe Lynn. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Thank you. Um, I have a situation, but my main question is, is there a statute of limitations to suing a city for hurting yourself on public property? Yes, there is. But before I get into that, uh, what happened to you and uh, why, why do you want to sue them? Okay. Uh, uh, first of all, I do have to tell you that piggyback girl of being stupid and getting $3 million is what sparked my interest in this. Um, what do you mean piggyback girl? Piggyback girl. She was piggybacking with her boyfriend. They tripped on the sidewalk, and the city paid her $3 million. Uh, yeah, that, that seems a little high, but okay. I don't I don't remember that story, but okay, for whatever purposes, okay. that's true. Okay. All right. So, um, okay, so my mother comes out. We're going to Paris. Uh, we are doing last-minute errands the day before. She trips on a defunct sidewalk in Pasadena, and... I don't know what a defunct sidewalk is. I can't. Uh, uh, unkept. Uh, oh, I got it. One that has been not maintained. Correct. Thank you. All right. Okay. So she winds up on the ground. All right. But when you say not maintained, was it buckled? Was it what? Was, was it buckled? Well, I, I, I understand yes, non-maintained, was, but I don't know how much maintenance was, a, a concrete sidewalk needs. Yes. It, there was a tree. There was cement around the tree. That was not part of the sidewalk. The roots of the tree, I'm guessing, is what lifted up the surrounding concrete. Okay, so she's walking on the sidewalk, and it was on the sidewalk that it was broken, that the roots were coming up, correct? Correct. Okay, not on the sides, but in the middle of the sidewalk. Correct. Got it. Okay. She biffed it. She's in pain, and I take her to the ER. They strap her up, they give her a sling, the whole deal. We go to Paris the next day, and we spend half of our trip in different hospitals and ERs. Was it soft tissue, or did she break anything? No, no, she broke her collarbone. Got it. Okay. I got it. No, I understand. Uh, So we're talking negligence. City didn't maintain the sidewalk. Mom takes a flyer. Uh, So far, it sounds good. So, uh, how how far back did this happen? Because this now comes the magical question. Right. How far back was this? 2012. You are so screwed. Why are you calling me six years later? Because of the piggyback girl. All right. Well, you only missed it by four years, uh, okay, the statute. Two years? Uh, and, no, yes, two years. And on top of that... You probably missed the six-month statute that you have to send a letter to the city making a claim. Okay. So, yes, you are completely, totally out of luck, screwed. You have no case. Hmm, that felt good, didn't it? This is Handle on the Law. You were the rooftop in the top of my Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning right till 11 o'clock. 800 A couple lines open. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Diane. 
Hello, young lady, or maybe not so young. What can I do for you? Hi. Hi. Good morning. Um, Okay, Okay, let's start that again. Let's start that again. I sort of lost you at the beginning there. Go ahead. We won a probate case um, a month ago. Three beneficiaries of $1.1 million and $700,000 in sanctions and fees and fines. What is the next step? Um, The new trustee, which was assigned two years ago, is not currently doing her new job? Well, hold on. Uh, first of all, uh, it was uh, there was, uh, what, a, a, a trust and a will that was being attacked by whom? Um, and my step-sister-in-law. Who was, who, was na- who was not named in the trust and will, correct? She was, but she got dissed. She did not receive anything from the judge. It's like a six-page ruling. Why did the judge not give her anything if she was a beneficiary? Because she absconded with so much. Got it. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So she was a trustee, and she all right. And then she came back and fought it. Correct? No, she hasn't. There's no appeals. It it took us three years. Oh, so, so you so you took her to court? Yes. I okay. Proper. Okay. Understood. Now, one point uh, one million dollars, and it's been thirty days, right? Yes. That's yes. not very long. Oh, Diane, that's not very long. I would uh, certainly. Contact the trustee. The ex- it's probably the, the executor and the trustee are the same person. No, no, it's just a new trustee which I appointed, which is my sister. But I'm, you know, I'm eager to go after sure. her criminal. Uh, what, what? You're the trustee. Well, she's no longer the trustee. I'm assuming the judge removed no, her. No, we removed the old trustee, the one that was for five years. Okay, and that's the one. The old trustee is the one that you sued. Yes. That's okay, exactly. so now you have a new trustee, which is your sister. Okay, and it's 30 days so far. Well, yes, and there's a lot of stuff. She was appointed two years ago. Okay, so, uh, Diane, uh, do you have, a like, a telephone? Yes. Okay, do you have her phone number? <laughs> yes. Well, I want you calling her and saying, uh, hey, sis, it's been 30 days. What are you doing? Have you tried that yet? Yes. <laughs> and what does she say? Don't worry about it. There's probably nothing to collect. <laughs> And I have found um, during the course of the trial numerous um, accounts through kind of my own forensic investigations by looking. All right, at and they are and they are part of the trust, correct? They're in the trust no, name. No, they're not. They're part of like a paper trail that I found. All right. Well, if a- they're outside of the trust, Diane, and there is no will that names all the other assets and goes to the beneficiaries. But they were open during the period of the trust with the trust assets. Like you would see a check for eight hundred thousand. I know, but but it's uh, it, here's what ends up happening. Uh, the trustee was the trustor at the time. Yeah. Okay, she could do whatever she. Who, who died and left all this money? Um, grandma and grandpa. Okay, grandma and grandpa are the trustees. They yeah. can take money unless it's an irrevocable trust. They can take money uh, out of a trust that they control. And open up any oh, account they want. Okay. It's their trust. In other words, I have yeah. a tr- I have a trust. And uh, mm-hmm. with my Marjorie and I, I have a trust. Yeah. And we are the trustees. And the only time it really kicks in is when we die. In the meantime, if I have money in the trust, I can take it out and buy a trip around the world if I want. It's still my money. But the trustee can't. The, the daughter 
which is the one I sued. After is this the one? Is this the one that was after you, the death of your parents? Yes. It okay. Was, then yes. it's different. Then it's different. That's the one. So who opened? It, so you're telling your sister opened up all of these accounts, and whose name no, are no, they? No, no, no. My sister is just a new trustee. No, no. The old sister you sued. Yes, yes, yes. She's the one that took money out of the trust after your parents died, and then opened up accounts. Yes. Okay, yes, and they're in her, and they're in her, and they're in her name, correct? Now her, yes, yes. Okay, and the, I, got it. I you, did not. All right, you have to go I back. Did. You have to go back into court and freeze those accounts. Yeah, and what about pensions? Are that is, you can you do anything with the pensions? Because she already quit claim the house out of the out of her name uh well the, yeah yeah the, she's applied for the pension on behalf of the trust well it's actually a pension from her husband and she's you know i was thinking maybe we could collect that as an asset too and there's unclaimed property that's the trust too that wow this to... is amazing and you did this all pro per yeah wow <laughs> wow well here's what i would do i would never do a pro per but i'm obviously not as smart as you are yeah, uh I... And, I, and i mean that by the way that's not a joke uh, I well, would never do that. Maybe it's time for you to get a trust and a state lawyer to unravel that part of it. How much money do you yeah. think all that is there? Uh, maybe. Lucky if it's 500000 That's enough. Get yourself a trust and a state lawyer at, at this point just to unravel all of that. Can I do that being just a beneficiary? Uh, yeah, well, sure. Me? I mean, you have. of course you do. You have the right to do oh. it. It's okay. just, yeah. But I wouldn't even know how to start. The only thing I can give you is the number, uh, the phone number of my trust in a state lawyer. That I can do. Wow, she did all of that pro per. Good for her. That you don't often see happening. Okay, another big data, data breach out there. Hackers stole information for more than 5 million credit and debit cards used for in-store purchases at Saks Fifth Avenue, Stack, Saks Off Fifth, Warden Taylor Stores. And some of this info was put up for sale on the dark web, which means that that information is now available to these cockroach thieves to then start establishing credit in your name. So many threats today in today's connected world. Takes one week link for criminals to get in. So let me tell you what LifeLock has done. I've been a customer of LifeLock Identity Theft Protection for I don't know how many years, 10 years or more. They've added the power of Norton Security to help you against the threats, not only to your identity, but your devices. And if you have a problem with your identity, if it's compromised, they work to fix that problem. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, monitor every transaction, every business. But I'm such a huge fan of LifeLock. And now with Norton Security, uh, they're able to uncover threats you might, might otherwise miss. Go to LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or... Call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE, 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the Law. I'll give you HANDLE here on a uh, Saturday morning, right up until 11 o'clock, followed by Leo Laporte. Back we go, more HANDLE on the Law, marginal legal advice. Hi, right, Marino. You're up. Welcome. Hello. Marino, you there? Oh, Marino's listening to the radio. Hello, Marino. Hello. Hey, yes. How are you doing? Yes, yes. What can I do okay. for you? 
So um, my dad owns a property here in L.A. Um, he's uh, looking to buy a property in Bakersfield for me. Um, I have, because I don't qualify because of my income, um, I have a co-signer, which is my wife's aunt, who's going to co-sign for us. Um, where do I go on my dad's living trust or on his will so that uh, this property can be mine in the future? Okay. Um, I I, I'm, a little, I'm a little confused. Okay, I'm confused. You're talking about the new property in Bakersfield, correct? Yes. All yes. right. And your aunt is going to co-sign? My wife's aunt. Well, your wife's aunt. aunt. What, is your, what does yeah. your dad have to do with it? Well, he's going to be on the property as well. Oh, all right. And uh, and so he's part of the big financial business with all this. And you want to know, right. uh, how do you protect yourself? Well, right. how about you, you have a couple of choices. You can do it in joint tenancy to where okay. uh, he dies. It belongs to you and your wife. Right. Uh, that's one way of doing it. Uh, your aunt could have a certainly uh, a deed of trust. Uh, where she has a secured position. Uh, there, okay. there are a bunch of ways of doing this. So uh, who's coming up with the down payment? I am and my, well, between me and my father. All right, so he's giving you the down payment. You're part of the down payment. Yes. All right, so uh, you can do it as joint tenancy. You can put it into a trust and uh, distribute it pursuant to the terms of the trust. Uh, you can keep it in an individual's name. Screw your uh, wife's uh, aunt. Uh, there are okay. many different ways of doing it. I would, you know, call the, because a lot of it has to do with taxes. So I would right. call an accountant. I mean, listening to me is kind of crazy. Uh, and also there's too many choices. And I don't know your financial situation. I don't know the relationships. Uh, all have to do with it. All right, Joe. Hey, Joe, you're up. Welcome. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Um, uh, Fifteen months ago, I had a, a fender bender, and um, I was—I already completed my left-hand turn, and I was going into the um, the, the uh, parking lot of a business, and a car came from the opposite side of the street. And he was making a left also, and hit me on the driver's side, and uh, it was hit and run. He left, and then uh, the girl that worked in the store. She didn't see the accident, but she heard it when he hit me, and then she saw him take off. And about 10 minutes later, he returned on foot. And the police came, of course, and took all the information and, uh, you know, the insurance and all that. And then uh, I had no collision on my car, so I had to pay out of pocket. Well, does he have insurance? Uh, he was driving his grandmother's car, and he, he did have insurance. Okay, so how come you your damages weren't paid for by his insurance company? The insurance, his insurance denied it. Okay, well, that's easy then. So what's your question? Uh, my question is, uh, since it was 15 months ago, do I still have yes, a chance? Yes, you're fine. And what else, what else should I do? Sue him. Uh, yeah, but if I took him to a small claims court, can't they have, um, what do they call that when you, uh, I, can't, I can't think of the term. Appeal it? Yeah, appeal it or, or uh, bankruptcy. That's right. Yeah, they can, he can always go bankrupt, of course. But no one goes bankrupt on two, three, four thousand dollars of repairs. Oh, really? Yeah, the judge won't let you do that. Oh. Yeah. So I can go to the small claims court. That's the way I should handle it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got thinking about that. Yeah, you myself. sue him and the end. How much money to repair the car? Uh, Twenty six hundred. Yeah, that's what you sue him for. Okay. All right. Thank you very. Now we'll probably no, probably not get any money, uh, but. 
you know, hit run people normally don't hang around, but uh, go figure. Mike. Uh, hi, Mike. Hi. How yes, you sir. Doing? What can I do for you? I'm trying to find out if I have a uh, uh, bad faith insurance claim. Uh, I live in Indiana. My wife went to Arizona in 2015. She had medical uh, emergency medical services in October for uh, kidney stone. And then in November, there was a domestic violence. She had to go to the hospital again. And through the year of 2016 and halfway through 2017, they told us that all the claims were addressed and we didn't owe any money. And through mid-year last year, they suddenly told us that we owe because it's out of network. And I'm telling them that they've let us know that it was all taken care of. Yeah, someone told you that on the phone. Absolutely. All right. So what's your question? I want to know if I have a bad faith insurance. Because plan. someone told you that it was taken care of, that you have no idea who it is, and they're going to deny it. I know who it is, and it was the uh, insurance company that I, all right, I so went you have, between. So, the... All right, so you have the name of the individual who said that. Absolutely. Oh, good for you. All right. And you have a record of when that phone call was made. Yes. And okay. sent it to the Indiana Appeals insurance appeals and they keep telling me that we still owe and i i don't agree with that all right so the appeals court the appeals uh said no to you right they said no yes all right how much money are you talking about we're talking about 20 grand it's a lot of money uh and i i'm assuming you have uh at this point exhausted all of your administrative appeals so now because you went through an administrative agency, unless are we talking about the appeals of the insurance company itself? Uh, yes. Okay, through... so you went through their appeal system, not outside of, not through the insurance commissioner or any of that. We went to the Indiana Insurance Commission. Got okay, got it. So that's an administrative uh, agency, and they denied yes. your claim, and they say you still owe twenty thousand yes. dollars. Now, do they have an appeals on top of that? I don't know what you have to find that out because you have to exhaust all of your remedies. And then all you can do is sue the insurance company. Now, your bad faith, you're not going to have. It's going to be a dispute. Okay. Bad faith is very difficult to uh, to maintain. But you've got an honest dispute and hopefully you're going to win. And you could probably do it on your own, I would guess. Is hiring a lawyer for twenty thousand dollars is going to be t- it's going to cost you thousands of dollars, and it's not right. worth it. So give okay. it a shot. You Go know? back to the state of Indiana insurance and appeal, uh, try an appeal again. Yeah, no, you go to court. If that was, if there's no appeals above that administratively, if there are, you have to go through that because that's just basically ruled. You have to exhaust all administrative remedies. And this was an administrative decision. It was part of the insurance commission, and it's not a court of law. And then, when that's all done, you then take it to court. All right, let me share with you some news about Simply Safe, a home security company I've been working with since they were a startup. And I've watched them transform from this small company to the fastest growing home security company in the country now protecting over 2 million people. Well, they have their brand new system because they're always on top of this in terms of uh, technology. The new Simply Safe. It's been totally rebuilt, redesigned, new safeguards, 
protect against power outages and downed Wi-Fi. It goes on and on. Uh, designed to be practically invisible. Powerful sensors, so small you'll hardly notice them. Simply Safe spent years building the system. They've added so much. Now, you still get the same fair and honest price. You install it at your house. I mean, it's easy. It took me half an hour to install my daughter's, and I don't know how to work a thermostat. 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. Every door, every window, motion detectors, the alarm, all of it. And you get the protection for 15 bucks a month. No contract. Visit simplysafehandle.com to order. Can't recommend them uh, more. Simplysafehandle.com. Uh, simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. All right, Handle here on a Saturday morning right up until 11 o'clock. 800-520-1534. Welcome back. Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. One. Hello, Juan. Hello, Bill. Good morning. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm I'm an old time listener. Oh, like thank you. It. Hey, I have I have a question. Bear with me. I'm a uh, you know I'm not a good English speaker. Oh, you're so far you're doing fine. Okay. I'll probably hey. rip into you in about thirty seconds, but please feel free. Be nice to me, man. <laughs> that is being nice. Yeah. I could have started right now, but I'm giving you half a minute. No, please go ahead. Oh. Hi Bill. Yeah. I bought I bought a house, you know, quite some time. It's a rental property without my wife's name in the in the mortgage. My sister is renting it since then. Now with the help of a lawyer we pulled the grant deed and it was notarized. And whose name whose name is on the grant deed, Juan? The grant deed I, I think it's still, it's still on me because... Okay, you, so you want the properties in your name. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, the properties. Okay, got name. it. And you're renting it to your sister who's paying rent. Okay, so far yes. so good. Oh, very nice, very nice, Bill. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you what, what I signed on the, uh, on, the, on the document that I signed under a notary. See, the, the underside grant of the place... Right, don't read me. No, you, uh, uh, Juan, Juan, I don't have time for you to read the entire thing. Okay. It is a grant deed that you own the property. Who transferred it to you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to transfer it to my... No, no. Who, how did you get it? Who transferred it to you? Juan, did you buy the property? Yes. Who yes. did you buy it from? Uh, it's, it's on, I bought it from uh, from a uh, you know from a uh, company. Okay, and then they transfer the deed to your name. Yeah. Okay, so now you own the property. It's in your name. You rent it to your sister who pays rent. Yes. What yes, is your yes. question? What is your question, Juan? My my question is because there's nothing on the deed, only me. Right. And I, and I'm gonna grant. I'm going to put my sister's name. Ah, got as, as it. You want to know if you can do it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can I legally do that? Yes. Yes. You can leave it to whoever you want. The problem is that your wife may have a claim to that property. Was it bought with community assets? Uh, he, 
she didn't she didn't quit. She doesn't want to do. No, she doesn't want to do it. No, no. What, with that problem. Then uh, what I would do is have her uh, sign a document that she releases any claim she might have on the property. If it's a little complicated, whether uh, she. Well, let me go back. Did you buy the property with community assets? You know what community assets are, Juan? Yeah, when you are when you when are. you're married and you use money that both of you own. No, no, we it don't. was all your pro. It was done at, before marriage. It was just me. It was was it done me. before marriage? When we were married, it was already. And the money that you used, where did you get the money that you used? It's me and my sister. Your you and your sister. Your wife had nothing to do with that money. No, no. It was all in your. Time. It was all in your name. Yes. Okay. From the and, beginning. Okay. From the beginning all right. The then I think you're okay. You can transfer that property to anybody you want. Okay. Anybody you want. Uh, and what I would do is still get her to sign a document uh, saying I release any and uh, any potential ownership or claim I might have. Uh, that's uh, what I would do. Oh, who do I want here? Who do I want here? Uh, Jay. Kind of interesting. Hello, yeah. Jay. Yes, sir. I teach piano out of the house. If I have the students sign a hold harmless agreement, is that a good way to protect myself? No, not really. Because how old are the students? Well, it would be the parents. Yeah, so. not really. No. Uh, here's the problem that you have is that you're running a business out of a house. Now, no one bothers, uh, no one's going to stop you from doing it. Uh, But I'm assuming you're zoned only for residential, and technically you might be in violation. But, no, just have insurance on the house, Jay. It excludes business. Yeah, well, then you're screwed. Now, you can have a hold harmless, but I'll tell you, it is not going to be enforceable. Okay. Make sure they don't trip. Make sure you don't have a piano that collapses on them. (laughs) <laughs> okay. But, you know, you're not alone in doing that. I mean, so many people uh, are involved. And uh, here is the issue. And uh, now I'm going to be a little cynical as a lawyer. And that is uh, if I have a client that trips at your house and is taking piano lessons, I'm not going to argue that he was taking piano lessons knowing that there's no insurance. Where if he's not paying you for lessons... There is insurance. You see where I'm going with that? Yes. Uh, So it's in the best interest of uh, the student who falls on the keys in a drunken stupor and cuts his head open to not argue it was a business. But then that's me being a cynic. But the bottom line is, I mean, you know, how many people give piano lessons? You know, eight million of them. And are they going to do anything? Probably not. And how how badly is a student going to be injured at your house? I mean, think about that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you take a risk uh, because it is a business and there is no insurance. But, you know, I mean, there's zillions of people that do it out there. This is Handle on the Law.
KFI AM 640. Bill Handel here. It is a Saturday morning. And if you listen to the show for all five hours, 6 to 11 o'clock, you're crazier than I am because even I won't listen to it for anywhere near that long. And uh, following the show at 11 o'clock, uh, Leo Laporte from 11 to 2, and then Neil Savedra with the Fork Report. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Okay, I love these. Uh, dog ate my homework stories. And it, you shake your head and you go, come on, really? And they're just wonderful. Uh, they are, where, how people think up this stuff. Well, this is out of Florida. Of course it's on out of Florida. So there's this uh, woman, Kenesia Posey, 26, was arrested last month on drug possession charges. She was one of two passengers in a car. The car was swerving in the roadway, so the stop was legitimate. And according to the police report, an officer approaches the car and smells marijuana from coming inside, which is enough for them to search the car. Uh, During a search, uh, the officer found cocaine and marijuana in separate bags inside of a purse that she had on her lap. Now, immediately the cop starts questioning her, and she admits the marijuana was hers because, uh, of course, uh, marijuana is no big deal. It's a misdemeanor at worst, unless you have pounds of it that you're uh, using for uh, distributing that you're being accused of uh, holding on to marijuana for sale and or in distribution, which is really serious. And the other one is uh, uh, the cocaine possession, which she said that was not her cocaine. That's a felony count of cocaine possession. She had enough there to make it a felony count. So she admits the marijuana was hers, but not the cocaine. She says, and I'm going to quote, I don't know anything about any cocaine. And this is according to the police report I'm, I'm quoting now. It's a windy day. It must have flown through the window and into my purse. I th- First of all, if she tells that to a judge and just gets a bench trial, decides to go to trial, uh, I think the judge is going to give her a lot of the benefit of the doubt because this is so damn entertaining. I don't know how the judge could keep a straight face. What, Miss Posey, would you say? The wind blew this bag of cocaine into my purse. And on the other hand, if you're in front of a jury, if I'm in front of the if I'm part of the jury, man, I'm laughing so hard. I'm going good for you to come up with that one. God, it doesn't get better. Okay, let's take some phone calls. Hey, Errol, welcome to Handle on the Law. Errol, you there? Uh, Yes, I'm here. Yes, go ahead. Yes, I want to sell my house, uh, and I have renters in it. I wanted to know what the legal ramifications of that were. Well, uh, you're selling a house with renters in it. That's what the legal ramifications. And whoever buys the house is buying the house with renters in it. Is there a lease? Uh, Yes. Okay, you wait until, well, the way to do this, you have uh, a couple of choices. And then you sell the house, and you tell the new buyers uh, you're not moving in until uh, these people leave at the end of the lease, or you have to evict them if they won't leave. Or you wait until the close of uh, escrow, uh, prior to the close, and they get out, because chances are that you have to deliver a house that is empty and can be moved into. So your renters are in. 
unless yeah. there's no lease and you can give them a 30 day notice to get out. Okay. So there's, uh, okay. Yeah. Needed to know. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You can't just throw them out and say, okay, you got a week to move out. It doesn't work that way. And the fact that you're selling the house doesn't matter as far as their right to rent. Mike. Hello, Mike. Welcome. Mike, you're up. I'm in a union that might go on strike. Uh, Can I be fined or docked pay if I cross the picket line? You can't be docked pay, but you, I mean, you're talking about fined by your own union? Yeah. Yeah. They can fine you. Yeah, I'm sure they can. And uh, that's that's the part of union. And uh, they don't like it when you cross uh, the picket line uh, because uh, if. They're going to find you. Uh, even crossing the picket line, they may throw you out. And therefore, okay. if uh, then they find you and uh, you you get to decide how much the fine is. You, do you have any idea what kind of money they're talking about? No, that's why I I didn't even know they could find me. Yeah, I don't know why not. Uh, I don't think there are any uh, rules that you can't be fined if, if you happen to be a, a scab. You wouldn't even be a scab. Uh, what you would be is a union member crossing the picket line. And that's a tough one. That is. So you get to find out. First of all, you look under uh, the Labor Relations Board. Uh, There are rules and regulations defining how unions uh, have to operate and uh, a little bit of research on your part. And then I would call the union and say, hey, hypothetically, let me ask something. What what is the fine for crossing the picket line? And uh, they say, are you thinking of crossing? Absolutely not. I would never cross, but I'm calling for a friend of mine who may consider and didn't want to call you directly. Got it. That's certainly the answer. That's how I would handle it. Pat, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, uh, good morning. Um, uh, my problem is that, um, sorry, what is Pat? A couple years ago. You know what, that, that, uh, Pat, this line really sucks. So, uh, okay, yeah, you're going to have to call uh, either another line or landline because I can barely understand you. Hello, Lucy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Good morning, Bill. Yes, ma'am. I have a friend. Her, the daughter won a $10,000 cash prize from her employer's party. And so, obviously, the mom has never had a lot of money, neither has his daughter. And they go put it in the bank account that's in the mom's name. And, of course, the bank tells the IRS what's happening. And they wipe her out. What, what does that mean, so they the, wipe her out? They took out the money that they won, which was a ten thousand plus any other money the mom had saved them, and maybe like another two grand. Wow! And she almost pretty much went homeless because they just took everything out. Yeah. So the question I have is: Does she have any representation? She can go to an advocacy group. That uh, maybe, that? but you know, I don't know why she just doesn't go directly to the IRS. Uh, because there are appeals, okay. there are, what she wants to do is call the IRS office, because obviously something is wrong here. I mean, I've heard sure. of them taking 20% uh, immediately, and as a matter of fact, when someone wins a prize of that magnitude, usually, for example, you go to Las Vegas, you win $10,000, they take 20% out right there and give it to the IRS. So uh, that's one issue. And the other issue is, uh, you know, I mean, the IRS, there are people there. I mean, it's this horrific organization, but it is comprised of people. So uh, a phone call, although these days it may not be so easy to get in there, but a phone call to uh, the IRS to set up some kind of a meeting in front of an IRS examiner. 
So uh, that's that's it. And that's before you start getting into the representation business. Once you start playing that game, uh, you're screwed. Uh, you'll go. She'll go okay. through ten thousand uh, th- dollars with a lawyer so quickly her head will spin. Oh, okay. So so try that. This is Handle on the Law. Hello, Danny. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. About uh, eight years ago, I was in prison, and uh, when I went from orientation, uh, I realized that I had more charges. I had a bunch of charges as a juvenile, but I had, like, two more charges added on. I had, like, a home invasion, and then I had uh, a gun. Like, I got caught with a gun. And, and I you're, know you're I never, tar- I okay. never did. You never did. Now, was this on your conviction record? This is on your rap sheet? Yeah, like when you go to see a counselor so they can place you in the right uh, And it says that's part of it. Wow. Okay. Uh yeah. let's see. What were you? The only thing I could yeah, figure out, the thing I went to prison for, uh, I went and uh, I basically got in road rage with the lieutenant of the local department. Yeah, that's and, not good. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of if he was, like, really pissed. Can they really get in there and add-on stuff? No, no, they can't. So uh, what you have to do is uh, you're going to have to make a motion to get it off of there. Or you simply uh, contact your, well, the probation department isn't going to do jack. Uh, but yeah. you want to, uh, you're going to have to buy some time with a criminal lawyer. Because I'm trying to figure out a way that you can do this without actually filing a full motion in, in, in the court. Who then the court will order, the judge will order that those charges that are somehow put on there that you were never convicted of be removed because it does make you look terrible. Uh, and yeah, would they have like a case and dates and all that? Yeah, stuff? that's, uh, you, you know, you've got to go in front of a court. And the, the point is, I want to try to have you figure out a way without hiring a lawyer because that's going to be thousands of dollars and you don't need that. On the other hand, yeah. you may be wanting to do it yourself uh, where you go to one of these. Uh, self-help uh, legal workshops that help you fill out paperwork or a paralegal, because all you have to do, I mean, the argument in front of the judge is, Your Honor, I, I was never convicted of this. Here's my uh, record. And all of a sudden, here's my conviction record, and here it is on the rap sheet. And somehow new charges and new convictions showed up. And uh, okay. so I think you got an argument. I, I'm just trying to figure out a way without spending a zillion dollars. But I, you, you, you clearly have a good case. If my buddy's uh, wife is a paralegal, she can help us help. Yeah, out. yeah. Just have her pull. Uh, just write a motion is what you have to do, and have the co- uh, okay. the court order that, and that should work. Hey, Mary, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill, how are you? I'm sorry, didn't mean to say that. Quite all right. 
<laughs> Listen, I have a tenant who tends to be a hoarder, and I like to go check the property every now and again. Am I am I doing something illegal by yes. working on that property? Yes, you cannot do that without permission. <laughs> Unless there is an exigent circumstance, in other words, some kind of compelling interest for you to go in and open the property, and uh, you can say uh, there is a fire. You heard there was uh, she was hoarding, and you're concerned uh, about a fire issue, a threat, because uh, it's a dangerous situation. Uh, maybe rats, vermin, uh, mold. And I think under those circumstances, you can come in. That's assuming that your hoarder sues you. In other words, you're not going to be arrested for going in without notice. No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about going in the house. I'm talking about just on the outside of the prop. The oh house. yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, you can do that. Yeah, it's you're the you're the landlord. Of course you can. It's it's okay. going inside the house without no, proper no, notice. You're no, fine. I didn't want to do. Yeah, that. Mary, you're yeah, fine. Just, yeah, you're fine. I just want to make sure. Yeah, that yeah, I got up. it. You're fine. You can do that. All right, Susan. Welcome. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Um. I was in a car accident, too, coming up on three years ago, and um, I hurt my arm, and it was small muscle tear. My doctor just told me that it's going to get as better as well as it's going to get. When I called the insurance company, they said they had closed the case. I never told them to close the case. It's my sister's car, so she closed the case on her side as far as getting her car fixed, mm-hmm. but the medical part of me hurting my arm, I never told them to fix okay. to close. So I didn't know. I didn't know should I get an. It doesn't matter. Well, I, yeah. If you have a muscle tear, what are your medical costs? The medical costs aren't too high, but it's never going to get as. Spe- well, here's the problem: you didn't go to an attorney initially. I think you have a statute of limitations issue. How long? You can't, uh, a couple of years. You're done. Oh. Yeah, you can't wait. You can't wait three years to go in and uh, make a medical claim or to sue. File a suit. Begin well, I, to go did, sh- I did make the medical claim. And, I told them that my and, arm hurt. Okay, and what did they say? Well, I told them I was going to my doctor, and he was um, just waiting to see how it okay. was going to, you know. Yeah, you have two years to sue. Heal. You have two years to sue, Susan. Oh, I thought it was seven. No, 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 no. Seven years on a personal injury case? No. You're screwed. Congratulations. Joe! Joe, you're up. Thank you. I'm giving a car to charity. I'm told that I hand them the car, sign the title, hand that to them, and walk away. Mm -hmm. I do not want to hear about it again. I do not want some future operator to get decide he doesn't like it yeah. or get into a wreck. Or You're okay. You're okay because you sell it as is. Pardon? You sell it as is. Unless right. you're committing fraud no. uh, in the donation, then you're fine. You won't get tagged, Joe. No fraud, but then I'm not going to give him a long, boring history of what No, you don't have to. Wrong. You're selling it as is. You're donating it as is. And there may be even uh, additional protections that when you're donating a car, uh, statutorily you may be protected even more. You're fine. Thank you. All right. Absolutely fine. Sounds like a happy camper, doesn't he? I mean, there was an up guy. That I would, uh, you know, on my de- on my deathbed, have him come around and say goodbye. I just have a feeling that would work.
This is Handle on the Law. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. This is Handle on the Law. Hello, Don. Don, you there? All right. Let me try that again. Don? I can barely hear you. You're going to have to call back. Something's going on with the line. Excellent. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going? Go ahead. Yeah, so I've been on probation for two years. I regularly see my probation officer every month. Right now I'm on a kiosk where I go in and punch in some information in there, and then if they ever have any questions, they give me a call and I come back in. Um, I, the point now, I'm every month I have to get another day off of work to go do this. So I was wondering if there's such a, a program that would get me off probation early. Uh, it's not a program. It's going in front of the judge. And in the, the judge yeah, and, and just asking, and based, yeah, based on that, and it's uh, now it's it's a, a freestanding kiosk. Yeah, at the probation officer, they have uh, several kiosks, and if you if the probation officer thinks that you're and, following and, and abiding by right, everything, then you can go and, and do that. And where are those located? Uh, Paris, California. Paris, All right, but are they is. are they fairly close to where you are, or you have to drive no, forever? No, I, I live I live pretty far away from that. Actually, that's why I have to take the day off. Can't you do it on the weekends? No, they're closed on the weekends. Okay, so uh, that's the I mean, that's the first thing a judge would ask. So, uh, how long is the probation, Jeremy? It's three years, which means I have another year, about a year and a month left. All right, I think it's a legitimate argument. Go in front of the judge and ask if. Uh, uh, number one, you can have it reduced. Number two, can you modify it so you simply call the probation officer? Mm-hmm. And uh, there, I, I can't imagine a judge wouldn't modify the order to say, in your circumstances, you're losing a full day's work, and that's not the point of probation, is that yeah. uh, making arrangements simply to call uh, the officer uh, once a week or whatever the hell it is, and, or once a month, and uh, try that. Because I, I can't imagine that not working, but maybe I'm crazy. Hello, George. Hey, Bill. Yes. I got a, a gardening project question for you. I it, listen me out. It's kind of it's kind of kinky. Um, I want to turn my mom into a park bench. No, that's not kinky at all. I've actually been wanting to do that with my wife for a very very long time. Uh, how, how do you plan on turning your uh, mom into a park bench? Well, she she died a, a few months ago and had her shaken baked and turned her into ashes to ashes and you know those cast concrete uh, park benches that you know people have yeah in their gardens or whatever sure well, I thought mom loved gardening yeah and I thought why why just dump her in the dirt right no, that's okay so so let me ask you how does one go about doing that is it a homemade one or do you go to the well, manufacturer it, it can it can be either either way I mean I'm you know I can make a mold and, and oh yeah. Then how, how's anybody, yeah. George? How's anybody going to stop you? Well, I just wondered if word gets out that oh, um, no, you'll be fine. No, no, you'll yeah. be no, you'll be fine. As a matter of fact, uh, if anybody ever were to ask you, I, there's probably no law against it in the first place. But second of all, you say, ah, oh, come on, give me a break. You know, that's the rumor yeah. that's out there. If if you ever get contacted by authorities, but you never will. 
And uh, you're fine. That's actually very clever, making a park bench out of mom. Now, the question I have is, do you think it is uh, somehow disrespectful when you uh, plant your big butt on mom? Mom always had my tuchus on her lap. Well, there you are. (laughs) Then you are just fine. No problem about that. I have to tell you, though, uh, I get a lot of questions that are very similar uh, through the years. Every once in a while, not very often, I get something that I've never heard before, uh, what the law calls a case to first impression, that when you're in front of a judge, uh, the judge has never heard this before, or in front of the Supreme Court, for example, or appellate court, they've never heard this issue before, and they rule on something they've never ruled before, a case of first impression. For example, I did when I went to court for the first time uh, in a surrogacy case to have the parents declared, uh, the, the intended parents declared the parents of a child. The court had never seen this before. It was a case of first impression. This is a case of first impression on this show. Can I make my mom into a park bench? Yeah, I think so. I don't have a problem with it. Now, here is the problem with George. Uh, I said, how is mom going to feel when you sit your fat butt on the park bench? Well, I was always on my mom's uh, lap anyway. Okay, that's question number one. How are you going to feel when a pigeon perches on the park bench and then craps all over your mother? Do you think that's disrespectful? And I don't know the answer to that. Megan, your turn. Hello. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Go ahead, ma'am. Um, uh, my ex-husband owes me uh, approximately $70,000 in arrears in spousal support. And this is uh, th- this was court-ordered, right? Yes, it was. All right. And I have the paperwork That's fine. and everything else. That's fine. He has not done so. I requested a hearing with the judge. Uh, I I had pr- uh, the process served uh, via the sheriff, but his uh, supposed roommate said, uh, well, uh, uh, he's not here. He moved to Florida and no forwarding address. I don't even know if any of that's true. Okay, so what's your question? My question is, what do I do? You're going to have to track him down. Megan, you're going to have to track him down. And uh, that means that I have to hire a private investigator. That's precisely what it means. Uh, Yep. Yep. So much money on him. And you did say the word shoot. So congratulations for that. That's appreciated because this is, as you know, a family show. Ben. Hello, Ben. Yes, sir. Good. I I bought a truck a week ago, a used truck. And um, the guy said that it would pass smog and showed me a certificate that was more than three months old that it had passed smog. So I bought it on good faith, and, of course, the truck won't pass the mob. Here in California, and I'm wondering what my legal options are. All right. First of all, uh, the bill of sale, does it say as is? Yes. yes okay. Uh, that's at least going to allow him to argue the case. How much is the truck right. worth, Ben? Uh, it's worth about 3000 That's the lawsuit you have against him in small claims court. And what it is, even though it says as is, it's a uh, breach of uh, an implied contract. In other words, uh, you know, selling you a truck as is but can't pass smog effectively means he didn't sell you a truck. Okay. Because legally you can't drive it without smogging it. 
Right. So what he sold you was a truck that simply didn't work under the law. And uh, therefore, you uh, are owed $3,000, and he gets his truck back, and that's, a, and that's a small claim suit for you. Wonderful. That's it. That's uh, neither here nor there. And that's the answer. Or it is either here or there. It's one of those. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating topic. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Hello, Art. Welcome. How are you doing? Bill? Yes. Uh, I, my wife took a dress to the dry cleaners. Uh, they lost the dress. Uh, the lady said, wait for six weeks. Wait until if I maybe can find the dress or somebody returns it. The dress never showed up. Um, the, she bought the dress from Neiman Marcus. So the lady went to Neiman Marcus. She found the same dress in the color blue. The dress is black. And the dress was on clearance, so she was offering my wife to buy a dress of a different color. Right. My wife said, no, I want the same dress. Right. So my wife went about calling the manufacturer, locating the dress. The dress is $350. The lady doesn't want to pay to rebuy the dress. Well, there's your small claim suit right there. 350 bucks to replace the dress. And the fact that she says, but I offered $100 and I found the dress, all your wife has to do is say, it's the wrong color. I had a black dress. I don't want a blue dress. I want my black dress. And they screwed up. They lost it, so they get to buy me a black dress. Yeah. So that's it. It's, it's, what? Oh, sorry. If she takes it to small claims and they give the judgment, there's they don't put an actual time limit when she has to pay it, right? Uh, yeah, they're, well, no, but she can collect. Dry cleaners usually pay up when they're given judgments. Uh, I okay. don't know of any dry cleaner that was uh, given a judgment that didn't pay because you know where they work. Uh, you uh, certainly can find out where the dry cleaner banks, and uh, it's, uh, it's, not some, it's not like a flake who's run away that you have to track down. So okay. you, you get the three hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, they'll pay. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah, and dry and dry cleaners always pay because they always lose. Always, always lose. Hovick, hello, Hovick. Where are you from, Hovick? I'm from Los Angeles. You are. Well, that's good. Where the name Hovick come from? Uh, it's an Armenian name. Are, oh, so you're Armenian? Yeah. Excellent. But you were born in the states, right? Uh, no, actually, he's born in Armenia. Oh, you are, so you're Armenian. How old are you, Hovik? Uh, I'm 29. 29. Do you have a wife? No. No. Single. Do you have a girlfriend? Yes, I do. She have a mustache? Uh, she's not Armenian, so no. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Why, you don't find mustaches on women exciting? I do. <laughs> uh, no, that's not for me. Okay, let's, uh, why don't we get to your legal issue? Because that's always, uh, more interesting for you. Yeah. All right, so I'm uh, in the process of purchasing a condo, and uh, part of the down payment is actually going to be a gift from my parents. So I was wondering, uh, in terms of tax purposes, how does that... uh, Yeah, no, well, well, theoretically, not even theoretically, how much money are your parents giving you? Uh, About 20000 Oh, that's fine, Uh, because here's here's what happens. They're each allowed to give you, I don't know, what is it, 13000 15000 whatever the law says... 
And uh, so you're you're within the gift uh, within the gifting. So there, uh-huh. you're ta- if you're talking about gaff, uh, if you're talking about tax implications, there aren't any with with what's going on. Okay. So you're fine. Uh, go out and find go, uh, go out and find an Armenian girl with the hairy arms. I'll tell you, you are missing a lot in life. You know that. Uh, if you say so. I absolutely say so. Also, turning your back on your own uh, your own ethnicity. See, I would be insulted if I had a daughter who had very hairy arms and had a mustache and she was Armenian. All right, Jerry. Hi. Yes, move move on. Yes, my, my wife and a friend were driving out from the east uh, 45 years ago, and they stopped in Arizona, and they bought five acres of Arizona land from the Grand Canyon subdivision. It was then, later on, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fraud. Since then, they've been paying property taxes on this five acres all these years. I'm wondering, can we drop the property taxes? What would happen if we just Well, yeah, uh, well, what, what ends up happening is uh, that the government simply takes the land. So your, your parents don't actually own the property. It's not in their name, correct? It is in their name, yeah. So where's the but fraud? My, my wife and her friend, it's in their, both of their names. So where's the fraud? Well, no, the fraud was the Grand Canyon out, Grand Canyon subdivision sold all the land as a fraudulent deal, and they were taken to court, and it was settled years ago. All right. But, but they still own the land. It, Who, your folks own? Your, your, your uh, parents own the land, or your sister, I think, in this case. owns the, wife, yeah. uh, Your wife owns the yeah. land outright, correct? Yes. Then, yes. then if, if she doesn't want the land anymore, just walks away. Stops paying so we taxes. Stop, we just stop paying. That's correct. Stop you just stop. Do we have to send them a letter? No, nope, nope. You just stop, and they'll send you a letter, and then they'll take the property. Okay, and then they'll resell it, whatever they do. Uh, they they I... grab it for taxes, and they'll sell it for taxes. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, and I don't think they they go after uh, the property itself. I think your credit is going to be fine. Robert. Robert. Yes. Yes, sir. Your turn. Hi, Bill. Yes, I have a situation with the bank. I recently inherited a house, and uh, the and I didn't change the name on the loan because I wouldn't qualify. So I just kept making the payments as the, this other person was making. Now I'm thinking about selling the house, and I'm wondering if the bank's going to freak out when they realize that it's not the same person on the loan. No, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, the who's ever on the deed goes ahead and uh, can sell the property. Now, the, yeah, the problem becomes, I'll tell you where the problem is, if someone is buying it with a mortgage, uh, yeah. there may be a problem with the fact that it's someone outside of it that is paying, uh, that is paying the loan. But it should, you know what? It, it, I don't think it's any big deal. Uh, you can sell it, and your issue is going to be with uh, the person who's making the payments. And if they don't want to sue you, if they're not going to claim ownership, you're fine. All that really matters is who owns the property, Robert, and that's you. Yes. I do, yes. And uh, the only thing that's, uh, I assume there's a mortgage on it, correct? There is, oh, yes. All right, so the mortgage is paid off by whatever lender uh, is loaning the money to the person buying it. And who and the, your buddy, whoever it is that, uh, that has the loan, has to sign off on all this stuff. Yes. And is, is that a problem? No, no I'm fine. concerned. No, you're, you're, there's no concern. You'll be fine. Great. Yeah, well, now enjoy selling it. That's not a problem. Okay, this is Handle on the Law.